0: Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 68 of Double Density. Double Density. You're home to Tech Tales and Paranormal Primers. So first things first. Last week we've, uh, we we offered up a previously recorded episode of Double Density while Angelo was and is currently busy hanging out at the Country Bear Jamboree Disney World. So I got, hope that you guys enjoyed our list of fave YouTube channels and a rundown of the classic Orson Welles narrated documentary Who's Out There. May Paul Masson Wine Season live in your hearts. So this week though, I've decided to go from one extreme to the other. It'd be fair to say that Angelo is an ardent grounded skeptic when it comes to most matters, and I think he'd agree with this statement even while kicking it at the Hall of Presidents. Um, so I brought someone on board who is, shall we say, a little more liberal when it comes to conspiracy cultures. Previously. Wait, did somebody say liberals?
1: Does <laughs> somebody say those liberals and those frogs and then this is the problem? Oh, oh you didn't want him? Okay,
0: Previously, want <laughs> our guest has been on Double Density to talk about the William Cooper book, and I use the book, the term book loosely, Behold a Pale Horse. So we like to take on things so much that we decided to bring him back. So everyone, please welcome TJ of Pints and Puzzles and the soon to be released Notes from the Attic podcast. So, TJ, how are you and how are things uh since we last talked a couple of months ago like officially because i mean like we talk almost every day through the internet and the power of the internet but this is the first time we've
1: actually like linked up since the last episode it is our first uh work meeting i guess is if you want to call right. it that <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah things are great i mean i'm, I'm happy because it's funny because i went into like this whole uh, and Angela probably could tell you better about this whole uh borderline obsessive disorder i had about finding a new podcast microphone so i finally saved up enough and <laughs> through the whole obsessive researching about it gave me time enough to re- to save up enough um and just kind of go all out there and then that and some uh, diy stuff here in my walk-in closet upstairs in my bedroom uh, now i now have a little podcast studio with the uh shure sm7b the granddaddy of microphones so <laughs> yeah so i'm really happy and uh hopefully it sounds good for you because I can only hear my regular sh- voice, not the microphone <laughs> version. <laughs> so, before buying the
0: 7B, though, like you were renting mics for a while, right? And you're like, you're trying things out.
1: Yeah, so I'll plug them. I don't care. Um, micrentals.com is fa- fantastic. Um, I think it's a one-man shop. It seems like, but they are great and they're very reasonably priced as far as you know, renting the microphones from them. And I tried out the um, the Electro Voice because I know that's the other popular one as well, too. Uh, it didn't hit my vocals the right way which i know that sounds so uh diva ish to to say but it really it just every microphone is different and that's a good way of doing it without being flagged from amazon for returning you know a thousand dollars worth of microphones well that, that's you the know? whole point if you're spending
0: like thousands of bucks like you want that instrument that that tool that like does you the best right so like it i feel like it, it's not necessarily diva ish you're just you're picking things you know it's not like going to the store and buying like pasta or
1: something like this is really mm-hmm. like an investment yeah, it really is. And that's why I don't feel bad necessarily not using it for a little while because it's not really going to go bad over time. You know, um, you know, it's the same microphone Michael Jackson used to record Thriller, I believe. Um, so, you know, the microphones hold up over time. This isn't that microphone because that would cost a lot more. Um, but, you know, the same model at least. So they do hold up for a while and, and through a lot of abuse and everything. So I'm not really worried about it. It's kind of like um, when I do my craft beer stuff, it's like, the beer kegs aren't going bad in the basement even if i'm not using them right now right like
0: these are investments in hobbies and things that you want to do with your life so it makes
1: sense exactly um at some point though i do want it to pay off so uh whenever notes from the attic does come i want everybody to go listen to it
0: (laughs) (laughs) i like the pre-plug there uh so sometime in the near future right
1: yeah, it'll be in the near future. I still have a couple more um, interviews to get before I get like a decent first season. I made that mistake with the uh, what I'm calling the original series of Pints and Puzzles, um, where I try to keep up with it weekly, and that doesn't work. You really have to plan it ahead of time. So um, I figured before we launch this one, I want to get enough under my belt and actually have it you know, semi-professional <laughs> uh, looking, at least before I launch it out into the, uh, the public world.
0: So I feel like, and this is kind of in hindsight now, but I feel like you might be the double density, like literary critic, because the last time we had you on, we we talked about Bill Cooper, Behold a Pale Horse, and now, uh, so the meat and potatoes of this episode is we're going to be covering the Anarchist Cookbook Collection. So I feel like we're just like throwing books at you slowly but surely, and you keep coming back um, with like really cool info about all this. So. Uh, this time around we'll be talking about the cookbook Both in terms of content, in terms of like Societal implications, there's some text stuff Some conspiracy minus stuff, we're gonna be diving in deep So like be warned, like it might get like a little tiny Bit weird, right? I, I think that's the best way Of putting it.
1: Yeah, it's funny, it's, it's not As tinfoil head I don't think as, as the Bill Cooper stuff, believe it or not Even though you would think so on the surface But we'll let people uh, kind of figure that out As we go here, so Right after this break, there we go <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you and I ended up talking about the anarchist cookbook some back some time back, like on Twitter or remember like we had a group DM with Angelo and he uh, didn't seem to understand or engage with it the way that you and I, I guess, like you and I have like both like kinds of like different kinds of histories, I guess, with it. So I felt like it'd be uh, this would be like a really great opportunity to talk about multiple facets of the book. Um, So I think the first thing is like, what is your earliest memory of it?
1: So, let's see. So, I was the big dork kid, right? And not as much as comic books and that sort of stuff, but more like the weird dork, you know, where it was like, I didn't do the football thing and and all that stuff in high school. So, when the internets came out, internets, I did do it for um, (laughs) them, then I I started doing um, like the old school bulletin board stuff back in the day and then, um, you know, where it was just files and it took 10 minutes to see a picture of Cindy Crawford, you know, that type of thing, Right, right. Um, you know, way back. Uh, And then of course, back then was, so I'm 37. So whatever that math is to put us in the, I guess, 90s, I guess, late 90s, mid to late 90s. Yeah. Let's go early Um, to mid. Yeah. Yeah. Early to mid nineties. I mean, they didn't flag stuff on the internet like they do now because the internet was just kind of being born. So the anarchist cookbook came up at some point. Um, and then I probably ended up with whatever the precursor to word and PDF is, you know, <laughs> whatever that was, um, you know, on my Apple two CI back in the day, <laughs> you know? So I think that's where, that's where mine was. What about yourself?
0: Uh, so for me, it definitely like was very similar. It was very digital in nature. I think like it was the first time I'd ever seen it. I had read about it on a, a message board too, uh, probably in the mid to late nineties. Cause I'm a slightly younger than you. Um so I feel like between like 98 and 99 sometime I feel like I really started to to look into it and the weird thing about it is that um i've never seen a physical copy until my like mid-20s right so i I hadn't held a copy of this in my hands till i uh of course in my like rebellious like 20s uh ventured out to the local anarchist bookstore to go take a look so um but before that it was all digital right and and i think it was like a text file a dot txt or
1: word or like a dot file or something like that. that you had a physical copy of it i don't think i've ever seen a physical copy of it myself um but I wonder, looking back at it, you, you wonder how much room it actually took up? Because I remember it being a big file, and I probably have emails bigger than it now. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> like, or the document we, you know, our Word document we made for here is probably takes up more space on Google than, than that did on our whole Apples back in the day. But So I think that's kind of funny in perspective. So what I realized is that we also forgot to explain what the anarchist cookbook is
0: because like you and yeah. I both know what it is, but it's it, it, it's a book that originally was like published and contained instructions for things like um, how to make explosives, uh, what kind of drugs you can use and grow, um, how to modify weapons. Uh, I'm I'm trying to blank, but basically like it was like this weird set of instructions for the manufacturing of like um, violent things. I guess would be this way of putting it.
1: Yeah, I think the 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 drug thing was it was believe it or not, I think it was only four sections, and drugs was one of them. Yeah, and um, freaking and electronic stuff was another one. The explosives was another one, and then I think the last one was kind of taking it to the mass side of things. Yeah, like the bigger, the big like how to blow up a bridge and yeah. stupid and
0: like where to place explosives on a bridge and, and things like that
1: yeah which is so and i think it, now is probably a good time that we should caveat it that is that we're taking more of a historical perspective on yeah, this and yeah, this not should, a functional in perspective. no <laughs> way be instructional or you know be careful googling it because nowadays you will go on some kind of watch list like you know you and i aren't worried about that because we're already on a lot right of lists yeah. probably <laughs> from just show research but i think you're right i think that like we
0: do need to insert something that we do not condone any of the actions or things um that are inside of the book and we'll get uh I've been into a little bit of that, and I think, yeah, we're looking more at, at a historical perspective, a societal perspective, not a functional perspective, right? So, well, I mean, we might talk about...
1: Uh... Oh, sorry. Let me interrupt you real quick. Ch- chapter three was natural, non-lethal, and lethal weapons. Okay, so it was there. like it was like how to do like karate chops to make people <laughs> die and stuff like that. Like, so you know, so if you want, basically, if you watch Walker, Texas Ranger, you're okay. You got half the book down. You right. Know, like, right. <laughs> Uh, But you had just mentioned, like, being scared to Google it. And
0: so when we were talking about doing this episode, you actually, um, like, and this kind of touches on the tech
1: side of things, you used a VPN to, like, look a lot of this stuff up. (laughs) All right. So, and actually, I'll tell everybody. So VPN, uh, virtual private network. um, So basically what those do is it kind of reroutes your internet connection to, through different computers in different places. And you can pick whatever those are. Um, it sounds way more nefarious than it is. I'll be really honest. as to the why I had it, and believe it or not, it's probably more illegal than what people are thinking <laughs> nowadays. Is that I had it for Netflix. Oh, um, so did I? For, yeah. For for when I was tra- um, in my previous life, I was doing consulting and I was traveling overseas, and I couldn't access like CBS.com like through my Verizon account or whatever when I was in Ireland. So I downloaded this thing, which made it look like I was from somewhere in the U.S., which was fine, you know. So. I was still using my legal stuff that I paid for, but it just wouldn't let me access it overseas you know right i mean so I,
0: I hear a lot of people also use it for things like h b o go for example especially like uh during Game of Thrones if they're away um different country different continent they've i've I've seen people on Twitter come out and have used that, and i also yeah i for a time I used it for Netflix to see what other uh countries had available, but I think they've managed to somehow crack down on that, which is why I got rid of my um paid v p n subscription
1: yeah, so Tunnel Bear gives you some for free. Okay. Like I think it's like 1 gig for free or whatever, which if you're just looking up tech stuff and not streaming shows, uh, that's not that's not too bad. So I like using it um now. I have it on my phone specifically for if we go like uh to any kind of public um Wi-Fi, it's always a good idea to to not use the public Wi-Fi yeah. directly. <laughs> um, just a, that is a PSA for everybody, don't use public Wi-Fi directly. Like if you're googling something, probably not a big deal. Um, but if you get anything beyond Google, anything that requires a password, don't use public Wi Fi. Like just don't. <laughs> I feel like we're being very informative in different ways in this episode. And I'm kind of super <laughs> into this.
0: Like, you know, like there's already a PSA within the first like 10 minutes of the episode.
1: We've had two very different PSAs. So, you know, well, we had to keep Angelo happy while he's on vacation. Well, well of so course. And happy. we also had like to make sure that
0: his, you know, podcast doesn't, you know, burn and die uh, due to a, like a, a swatting or raid of some sort. So you're using a VPN in order to sort of uh, keep yourself on the clean side of things when looking up sort of uh, uh, dangerous sea types It was of just what documents. I Googled it
1: originally. And, I, and honestly, I stopped doing it after a while because I've ran out of data. Uh, um, so it didn't matter. Um, but but the reality is I you know I think I think my first google was like anarchist cookbook for show research like right, just right. so that was in just the google search know. engine. Um you know so for whoever actually cares what what I'm googling um <laughs> beyond after hours stuff <laughs> um then uh they they're more than welcome to uh to flag me in echelon or whatever the new version of that is nowadays. <laughs> yeah whatever so, carnivore's
0: new program is. Yeah, there you go. Using a VPN isn't without its merits, right? Because I think this is still a very controversial book, like forty years, forty plus years out at this point, because of the fact that like people um, do get arrested for possessing it, still.
1: Yeah, and it's funny. Not so much in the U.S., although there, there's been tangential stuff. I think in the U.S. where, um, and I think it was like the Columbine shooters, and you know, pretty much most of the shooters. Well, uh, it's kind of the um, the new version of the Catcher in the Rye. Well you know typically what, what I mean? <laughs> had had it, right? Like that Right, I So I think that, that it got associated with that, but it wasn't like they were reading it and that inspired them to do it or they used no, it as yeah. like an instructional. I think it was just like this was in their repertoire of other crazy shit that they had.
0: It, and it's funny that you bring that up because that's the thought that I had. That a lot of these people who own these books, the things that they like, perpetrators of things and what they do, um, there's t- generally no correlation in between their actions and things found within the book. Right? It's just stuff that they had. Um, well, it's like
1: the um, Catcher in the Rye and all the assassins, right? Right. Like that. It's just it's just kind of there, and I think it's like the same mindset type people. But I, I can't even say that either because uh, you know, open minded people are just going to read everything to get everything. But also crazy people also do that. So, you know, I guess it's a balance. But I think that's why in other countries it has gotten flagged. Like the UK, different people have gotten arrested for, um, you know, that was one of the flags. There was actually one case apparently in 2017 where a 27-year-old was prosecuted in the UK just just for having the book. Right. Um, so, you know, I guess they, maybe they are a little more cautious with certain things. Uh, he was found not guilty for the, for perspective. Um, some of the other ones, they had other issues as well too, along with having, like we said, tangentially having the book as well. Yeah. Too.
0: yeah. I mean, and it tends to be used, uh, by the prosecution as like evidence of a crime, but really like the correlation between the two, as I was saying, isn't necessarily there, um, which I think is very interesting. And I think that like it's notoriety will get you into a lot of trouble too, not necessarily um, what it contains. So uh, I, I feel like now would be like a good time to do like a quick rundown on the history of the collection. So uh, mm-hmm. his author is named William, uh, his name is William Powell. So he was uh, 19 when he came out in the early seventies and he was sort of like this like disaffected youth uh, really into the counterculture was working at a bookstore and uh, he uh, was deemed unfit to serve in the military Anyways, but he was very fearful of the idea of the draft because this was like the middle of Vietnam um, right. going on. So the notion of like being drafted really haunted him and sort of like he see a lot of his friends and sort of like wonder if they'd be uh, next. And um, so as you were saying before, it's broken down into four uh, different chapters. The first being drugs, non-lethal weapons, lethal weapons, and then sort of like how to go about planning operations, I guess, would be the best way of explaining it. What do they call it?
1: Explosives and booby traps. For right. There you
0: go. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, yeah, so it's kind of the, the big stuff as a tangential aside here that the drugs thing is so funny because it's like they taught us how to make hashish brownies and pot right. <laughs> and, and a, a pot meatloaf or something like that and i was like which is i don't know it's just funny the perspective
0: <laughs> so the interesting thing about the drug section actually is that pal kind of knew a lot and he collected a lot of like local zines that explain how to do a lot of different things um but he didn't necessarily test it all out so one of the most infamous um parts of the whole book is that uh, there's a claim that you can get high by eating banana peels that have been uh, boiled or baked right so um it's eating
1: them or smoking them i forget
0: yeah it's either being it's yeah i think it's like smoking or eating but the idea there is that he never tested it out so um which is uh, funny because
1: that's like something that you can find on snopes nowadays you know right, what I mean? yeah so it's in this yeah. like this like uh taboo culture book back in the 70s but now it's just like a regular Google search will come up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, so that's for the drug section. But th- one of the more interesting things is that um, Powell was using already available materials in order to build up the three other sections. So he uh, spent a lot of time, multiple months at the New York public library and he was reading um, books like the U S army manual for physical safety and homemade bombs and explosives. So he was gaining information directly from the U S army and like sort of like um, uh, summarizing it and placing it um, with a little bit of his like wit and flair, um, included in a lot of like like this like young cockiness to it um Mm -hmm. in terms of like the flavoring that sort of like supports a lot of the things that he's suggesting doing right so it's interesting that like he didn't really test out the drug stuff he didn't really test out the more violent stuff but he gained it from multiple sources some legitimate such as you know the u.s army and others just like zines that were just distributed um in and around new york at the time
1: yeah and it's funny because a lot of that stuff i think is why he was quote unquote safe and, and didn't end up in like uh You know, whatever the 70s version of Guantanamo is, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like um, because a they didn't really have that back then. But also I think that that because it came from a lot of public sources and it was more I don't want to simplify it too much, but it was more informative rather than instructional in some parts of it. That I think that at least in the, the bad, quote unquote bad parts of it, you know, yeah, the uh, the more extreme parts. Sorry, I guess that's the better phrase. Um, that I think that that's what kept him safe while he was publishing it, and why he never really ended up with any legal issues from it.
0: Right. Um, do, does the word EC Comics mean anything to you? Uh, it doesn't. Should it? Okay. So like, um, they were uh, purveyors of classic comics of the fifties, like Tales from the Crypt. Um, they also uh, started publishing Mad Magazine. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, so uh, its business manager, Lyle Stewart, um, kind of oh, went go. out of his way in or- and started publishing things on his own in the 60s, including a... Uh, what is it, like a four hour uh, Fidel Castro speech, like written down or transcribed. And um, so what it happens is that William Powell goes out with this manuscript and tries to sell it to all these book publishers. And the only one willing to take him up on it is, 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 is Lyle Stewart who says, yeah, sure. We'll publish it. So he pays him a couple of thousand bucks and then he turns around and copyrights it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, as so he, he's, you know, claiming to be the owner of this material. And so it kind of creates this really kind of bizarre and interesting thing because um, in the 70s, William Powell finds religion. He becomes an Anglican and sort of renounces um, the pathways of violence that he was describing and uh, prescribing to in the early 70s, um, you know, as being part of the countercultural. So he turns his back on this, but Lyle Stewart keeps it in print, like, and then, you know, for decades, while its own author um, disavows it, right? So if you go to Amazon.com, you look up the Anarchist Cookbook, there's an author's note by William Powell that says, do not buy this book, basically.
1: Yeah, and it's so interesting. I mean, Lyle Stewart, I mean, I did some very cursory research on him, and he's kind of a scumbag yeah for um, sure if you, if you can read read some of his stuff um and i think he was looking at it more from just a business perspective whereas powell was like you know this is my rebellious youth and now i regret my rebellious youth right. as as <laughs> we all do you know i mean let's be honest here right but it's um, kind of weird
0: how like your transgressions my transgressions don't exist on such a mass scale right like the, like the dumb stuff we had done in our teens early 20s kind of like we can kind of uh hide away a little bit whereas like this is out for the world to see
1: you know what's funny? Even though we're you know we're a few years apart in age, but I think that we hit that kind of golden window, where it was post all this stuff. So the internet was out there, but it was pre camera phone. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, so for sure. so I think that that kept us safe, most of our youthful indiscretions, as you put it, um, safe from the public view because it was still too early in the internet to really have a solid record of a lot of stuff. Um, but still you know prior to camera phones and instagram and youtube thank god um and all all of that my mother has literally said thank god youtube didn't exist when you were
0: teen or else we'd be in a lot of trouble and i agree with her i definitely do agree with her because you know like as a teen as like a male teen you're like your brain's not fully formed right so your decision making processes aren't necessarily the best
1: i would say mine still is that way (laughs) (laughs) some would argue I can go get my wife if you want to talk to her. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would I would agree with that. And uh you know, I mean there was physical pictures was the worst we had, but those right. all got all got burned very right. quickly. Right. <laughs> not stored away in some hard drive somewhere. No, definitely not. There's there's no computer for for uh college stuff back in the day.
0: So uh William Powell like like goes up to Lyle Stewart in the mid 70s and he's like, Can you stop publishing it? And Lyle's like, No, this is making me as you're saying, like, this is making me way too much money, right? And he Managed to turn around and sell um, his stake in Lauster Inc. for multiple millions of dollars, I think, in the 90s or in the early 2000s. Um, So he's basically like um, capitalizing off of the counterculture in the most crass way possible.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of sad, because I'm sure, I mean, I would be surprised if he even read the damn book, to be honest with you, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, to even know what it contained um, in there, but it's clear that Pal, you know, was going through a phase, and he regrets it, and then Stuart was just in it for the money, because it was making him a lot of money, you know? Yeah, and it, which, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't even know it had a physical copy until we started doing research on this way back, you know? Which is super like,
0: interesting to think, because, like, a lot of people, I feel, feel the same way, that it existed as an online-only book, right?
1: Yeah, and it wasn't even like I mean the dark web wasn't a thing, but I would say even nowadays it wouldn't even be put in the dark web. You no, know? Like, no,
0: yeah, and we were talking about like what the equivalent is, and it's not even like it, it's surface web. That's you know, it's like it's like ungated web. Like if you do a Google search, there are PDFs available
1: right there on the first page. Yep. I yeah, and I didn't click on any of those for the yeah, record. But, <laughs> just for the record, uh, <laughs> but, but, but but yeah, it was. It's so interesting how how it all plays out and how it was kind of. um uh i would say immortalized in some cultures of the internet and then yeah. like demonized yeah. in other sides of the internet depending on which side you played on right. I, I know which side i think you and i played on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more so but again you know like you said we i don't think we got in any major trouble from it but
0: i do feel like so i feel like there's an analogous kind of situation right so um steven king has uh, his alias richard backman right so richard backman in the late 70s puts out a book called rage which is all about a kid going up and shooting his high school. And it reportedly was the inspiration for a number of like real life shootings. So his publisher was like, yep, let's pull that off the shelves. And that was like a fictionalized account of things. And I find it really interesting that like this uh, nonfiction account, um, you know, with, with, with tangible evidence that like it was used in um, the completion of crimes on a global scale, um, wasn't pulled in some way.
1: Yeah, I find it really interesting too, and and there was a lot of letters from some of the document, the historical documents that you see in there, like the FBI files on this. Because yes, of course, of course, they created a file on it. And what I've what I found most interesting in that was that, um, so this was back in the Hoover era, and you know anybody that knows any kind of history on any of the FBI and and Hoover, or at least a name, he was one of the biggest FBI directors, or probably the most famous. Um, but he was not very. Um, uh, pro First Amendment in no. his in his actions and a lot of things, but he didn't seem to care about this book. And it's funny, like because he he cared about a lot of other stuff that was looking, you know, hindsight uh, looking back at it was probably stuff he, he shouldn't have cared about or i mean hoover was a guy who kept secret files on people and like crusades
0: like decades long crusades i think he's the longest serving fbi director if i'm not wrong and he definitely um spent a lot of time uh crafting uh files against his enemies and yet here's this huge potential danger to um the state of affairs of the united states and he doesn't really seem to care like he gets and you know like the there's thousands of of pages in these fbi documents and he doesn't really seem to care all that much about it and I, I think you're right it's really interesting the way in which he kind of crafts responses and saying like you know i'm as outraged as you but there's nothing that we can do about it
1: yeah and there's and there were senators that made a big stink about it, you know just like every just like every generation has that um you know where they all make a big stink about it and he should be prosecuted and blah 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 but then hoover just didn't seem to care and, and i think that that his big argument maybe he didn't, not that he didn't care and again this is publicly he didn't care so maybe privately he could have had a million tapes and files and who knows on, on people um but publicly, he was just like, this is all stuff that anybody can look up if they go to the library. So we don't really care about it because it's nothing new, you know, right. or yeah. or really, really that dangerous. It just happens to all be in one spot. So people are thinking it's more dangerous than
0: yeah. it really is. you know. Yeah. And I think that like once again, like it's a lot of like publicly available material. So there's not necessarily anything he can do about it, um, given the fact that like these are available to anyone who wants to go to the library at the time.
1: Yeah, correct. Like you said, I mean, Powell originally got it from the Army handbook or whatever that was, um, the field book or whatever that is, on some of the explosives and booby traps and that sort of thing. And, you know, so even if they pulled this particular cookbook, then people can still go to the library and and look at that because that's a public record, you know, government document. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, these are – yeah, these are documents of record, right? These are not – uh, other you know counterculturalists like trying to publish their own um ways of of doing things so i do think that like y- you were making the argument uh, a little while ago that like because these are publicly available he had some sort of like um leeway in terms of like not being arrested at the time
1: yeah that that's what i think at least is that he he had that's what it seemed like i don't know i mean he never went to jail he died of a heart attack and I know that 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 raises red tinfoil hat side too, but, um, (laughs) but, but it seemed legit from what I, from what I looked into it. And and I'm saying that, so, you know, it's legit. well,
0: he was also like (laughs) 83, right? So, right.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) it sounded like he, he actually may have just had a heart attack. (laughs) Um,
0: So something interesting too, is that, um, so the cookbook while copyrighted, the copyright wasn't enforced, which I think is what allowed it to sort of propagate on the web. And I kind of want to ask you the following question. Do you think that the anarchist cookbook is the most famous pirated book online?
1: For I would say for my generation and your generation, yes, yeah. But um, I, I almost feel maybe like not ever. popular, but definitely the most impactful. And then I think everybody has a story about it. Yeah, everybody that that kind of dabbled in. Anybody that knows what the what BBS stands for right. knows the Anarchist <laughs> Cookbook. You know what I mean? Like and I'm not going to translate it because if people don't know it they're going to tune out.
0: Anyone who's ever had to pay per minute to get on a message board knows. Correct. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: through your AOL connection yeah. on the internet. So we're actually
0: going to link to an article in the show notes from the Daily Dot by Aaron Sankin who does like a really good history of um how the Anarchist Cookbook ends up online so through Usenet, IRC and funnily enough like I remember it showing up on things like Napster. Oh really? I didn't even Yeah, so like you could search for different kinds of files at one point um and yeah, it used to show up on it used to show up on Napster and there's all these variations right? So the interesting thing too is that um its original iteration existed but then like all these like weird random offshoots and like edits and like bastardized versions of them um started being created, right? And so like the fidelity of the information in there um like for example like um as phone freaking uh, technology developed, like some of these kind of offshoots included more info on how to like create a, a blue box or like how to like sort of construct or uh manipulate your way into you know free phone calls and like unlimited chat lines and things like that
1: that weren't prevalent um when powell originally wrote the book right and i think that that's where where some of that people don't even know what any of that is back in, nowadays you know <laughs> or, or that uh there was a box that that um whatever I'll, I'll just say i the the so i liked all the electronic side right i was always too nervous to too much of a uh of uh a, a, kiss ass or whatever to, uh, <laughs> to to do straight edge, I guess, to do the explosive side, you know? But I, I liked playing around with the electronic side. And, and believe it or not, it actually taught me a lot about electronics, like resistors and capacitors right. and all that, you know, that I don't think people would know. But <laughs> I remember it just said, like, go to Radio Shack and get this. Which, how old does that make us sound now? Because Radio Shacks don't even freaking exist now. Right. You know? <laughs> um, or I think they're gradually being phased out. Um, but, you know, back in the day, and then it made tone for the payphone yeah and i remember yeah. so that you could basically dial stuff for free because it would sound like if you did a certain array of tones it would sound like a quarter was put in yeah so i know that i'm sounding like way older than 37 to a lot of your listeners probably right now uh because it's like payphones don't exist anymore you know? well i mean like, <laughs> up until 15 years
0: ago payphones were like the mode right like of of communication if you're outside of the house <laughs> So you were more on the electronic side, and I was more of the, like, let's see where this goes side. Yeah. Um, so, I, uh, you know, um, being impressionable, uh, things like uh, homemade flamethrowers uh, were mm-hmm. a thing um so singed eyebrows uh that were hard to explain <laughs> to parents um at one point uh, did occur and things like that like i don't necessarily want to increment like, myself too much but like i was more of the like the physical um <laughs> e- explore like e- exploration kind of guy i guess would be the best yeah, yeah i, had, I you know you. i think that's um, a safe way of putting it <laughs> um but yeah like uh, so as these like different kinds of, of versions like there's the anarchist cookbook 2000 um food not bombs has a new anarchist cookbook out uh oh, okay. that actually has like cookbook elements to it which i think is really interesting uh and like yeah there's all these like different variations right so the fidelity of the information contained within tends to get less and less because you're not really sure what you're getting right In this like random like text file. so i was always unsure of like what i was getting
1: so here's my question for you where did it go from and um where did it go from william powell to jolly roger because i think i had the jolly roger copy that is a great question that I'm, i had I'm not, I guess it must have been like sometime in the mid
0: 80s or late 80s, I guess. And is
1: the Jolly Roger version that I think we had probably? Um, yeah, I'd probably the say the same 90s sometime. The one, so I think that we had that version, right? Yeah. But then is that, I wonder how close that is to the original that uh, Powell published, you know?
0: I don't even want to begin to try and search for the variations. Yeah, on this. yeah, no, I'm, too, I'm way
1: too paranoid to search for any of this. <laughs>
0: well, I like, mean, like for example, the Anarchist Cookbook 2000. Like uh, a businessman from Britain, I think, was the one who ran a website that like um, sold CD versions of the Anarchist Cookbook 2000, which was like derivative of the original version.
1: Sorry, it took me a lot to not say CDs on there. Um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, um, yeah so that's interesting that that uh but then how does he know that that's the original version? you know so that that's where I always go into
0: you know once you start making copies of copies and editing things like you kind of go down the rabbit hole with all of this right So right now there could be like a completely different version of this book that exists online um that you and I are not aware of that we haven't really dealt with uh and it's it's really so far removed from this earlier version that originally was printed out
1: yeah, exactly and uh, and so where do you think this this got into from what it was intended originally is kind of more uh a glorified anti-war protest not to simplify it too much you know yeah
0: i think that like it it that is definitely not an oversimplification given that like um william powell self-admittedly and there's this great documentary called american anarchists that i watched last year that um they track william powell down um right before he died and, and sort of like sat down with him and his family and so he actually um the anarchist cookbook is very really interesting um no one had bothered uh him about it in like decades pretty much and he was out in africa um teaching and then basically like he tried to get rid of some teachers and uh one of the parents had found out that there was this connection between uh the anarchist cookbook and william powell and like they were one and the same and like created this whole kind of like like issue for him so for like about a decade and a half two decades he was fine and then suddenly like it resurfaced and during that time i mean he found religion he spent a lot of time in asia and africa like teaching and he felt like violence begetting violence wasn't necessarily the answer and so he admitted when he was young that he was filled with anger um just general anger not necessarily anger of the state but he's very very anti-authoritarian he believed that like this was he was on like this righteous mission to sort of like um summarize and empower the masses to fight against the oncoming uh, foot soldiers, I guess, of, you know, the States, because he was worried, you know, especially with the Vietnam War and the draft. And then also he was working in a sort of alternative bookstore and like, uh, like moral police would come in and sort of scan his shelves for anything that they decreed deplorable.
1: But you know why that is? That's because they're coming for our books, Brian. That's because they're coming for it. And I'm not...
0: But yeah, so I think the idea is that he was filled with anger, um, just general anger as a, as a young person, and then like, that bled into this whole idea of like let's create a manual to like like f it up basically.
1: Yeah, and I think that, that a lot of that's generational. To be honest, I mean, from back in the day, I, I think for for our generation that did it, it was more just um, curiosity and stupidity, like like people that actually tried it and. Um, you know, I know you all have a link to hear about the kid who lost his fingers. and yeah, exactly, try, yeah. Trying out stuff from there, which is again why we don't encourage people to try anything <laughs> if yeah, they happen exactly. to find a copy somewhere or ask their parents about a copy of it because we're old. Um- <laughs>
0: read it. Uh, we, I think you and I would both agree. Like, read it as a historical document and not as a manual. And I think that like it's kind of cool to see that in that light and not necessarily as a functional way of doing things. Correct. I'm Rosie. And I'm Derek. Welcome to Rabbit Hole Motel.
1: You can check out anytime you like, but I can never leave. And I can just sort of come and go, whatever. Each week we open a new room to discover strange true tales and mysteries from history, science, and the fringe. And myself and a guest will get sucked into and explore alternate realities.
0: So Along, New Jersey. Was <laughs> it Enjoy be- your time in the center of the earth. The conspiracy owes you. A living.
1: Well, that's way better than an Amazon Prime membership. To all the world, I declare the earth is hollow and habitable within. At a restaurant, she bends a fork with her mind. Mm-hmm. She does it, y'all.
0: Come for an extended stay at rabbitholemotel.com or wherever fine podcasts are served.
1: Enjoy your stay.
0: welcome back to double density And this week we are not switching gears we're keeping with the anarchist cookbook both tech and paranormal uh, but not really necessarily paranormal because there's a lack of paranormal elements to it there's no real conspiracy behind it um which is kind of like a really sad thing that there's like no overarching kind of conspiracy that exists um in conjunction
1: with the anarchist cookbook yeah usually when i'm on double density the paranormal side gets replaced by conspiracy tinfoil hat side um <laughs> uh, that's kind of my my role apparently um but it's funny that there really isn't as much going on with, with the conspiratorial side as as you would think. Um, you know, I went in and googled, of, or did a Google "quote unquote" or search in above top secret dot dot com, which is kind of my go to conspiracy website, or it always right. has been. Right. Yeah, You know, there's there's other <laughs> ones out there, Godlike Productions, and all those other ones, which I think are, believe it or not, a little too fringe for my taste. Um, so. That was, a, at least back in the day, Above Top Secret used to be the most organized of them all. Yeah. Um, well, the thing is you had your different tribes, right? Like right. you had
0: your, your UFO people, your lizard people, your yeah. secret government ops people, your uh, reptile people. Like you kind of had like a clear division of lines. And John like Lear was
1: actually on there. That was cool.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but he was just arguing with people nonsensically for
1: like half the time, right? So Yeah. He would get banned and then not banned. And yeah. You know, was... <laughs>
0: yeah. And I think we mentioned it uh, the last time you we were on too, but yeah, Above Top Secret, um, as you were mentioning uh, to me previously, like has gotten like a little more political as of late, and as such like a little more boring
1: yeah that's that's what I think at least I mean if I want political, i'll just go on Twitter you know I mean? yeah <laughs> and, and even my Twitter, which is not very political <laughs> um on there, and uh it, you know it always filters into everywhere on Twitter nowadays, but uh you know if you need a little break from that, you can always search a little bit on above top secret, but I think unfortunately since um November of two thousand and seventeen it's gotten very political on there. Uh, I mean, I guess, uh, to be fair, it always was a little political. You know, there was always... Right. You know, George Bush is a reptilian, then George Bush was the head of the Illuminati, which hw bush is but that's a whole different (laughs) different podcast
0: podcast to get into
1: (laughs) um don't kill me um but yeah uh, but uh yeah and then it gets into the whole obama and obama you know the birther stuff and then 9-11 and blah 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 blah. and i'm not doing the alex jones voice anymore because my that hurts my voice to do that (laughs) um but you know it gets into a lot of that nowadays too and and i think it, it got a little too political but not fun political or yeah not...
0: like not like like kooky political like downright argumentative um sad reality political
1: yeah basically the same the same stuff you see on twitter you know like <laughs> yeah, and, yeah and that's that's not fun for that environment at least in my opinion There there's still areas like if you go if you are really interested in this, some stuff there's like what's called the gray area under there which is kind of people's personal stories and i like that because that falls under more Uh, you know like yeah you have to still put your filters in there your mental filters as to what's BS and what's not Um, but sometimes there's, there's a grain or two that's kind of interesting in there and or hey, I saw this weird thing in the sky over my house, and then you start looking at it in other resources, and then find hey, there was something weird up there, and then right there's a podcast episode. You know what? I definitely uh, like. I don't visit as much as I used to. Like like uh,
0: fifteen years ago, I was a pretty regular visitor, and I started like I, I kind of stopped maybe like eight or nine years ago um and like i'll only go back like very sparingly and i think you're right and like i think there's just like a convergence of different um topics that happen right it's almost like additive like it's no longer you're you're part of like the ufo tribe it's like you're part of the ufo tribe and you're arguing about you know some other like weird current affair thing
1: correct yeah and it it, it gets into um it's not it's not fun anymore you know And no, I, and i no. know that there was always argument arguments here and there there was always trolls there was always the the John Lears of the world out there that that probably know more than we think they do, you know, but are too crazy to believe. Right. Um, But
0: it's almost like too depressingly real at this point. Like I tend to use some of this as like escapism and like uh, it, it's kind of not fun anymore, guys. Like, where's conspiracy culture gone?
1: Yeah, and I agree. And I mean, I'll still use it because it, it happens to have a good mobile platform, so it works on my on my iPhone. If I'm using it for toilet reading, you know, bath <laughs> or bathroom reading, you know what I mean? Um, or you know, and like I said, I'm caught up on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> then, right. I, then I'll go there as kind of a, a default. Um, but that's just for lack of not having any other better place to go right now, or any good games on my phone. So. <laughs> Um, so it's not really that I love anything on there that's been sticking out um, but as it relates to all this though i are yeah, so kind, there, of, kind so of switching so... gears we went a little bit <laughs> <laughs> no but I think that was okay that was a, it was a good t- tangent uh,
0: I feel like it's just a lamentation on like where things have gone on the internet I feel like that's like tech related so I'm okay with that
1: but it's also related to, to the to what we're talking about as well I think right. in that a lot of the the culture has changed in general and I think that's part of where the uh, perspective on the book has changed as well too but um, but yeah, we can get into that in a minute. But it's funny that there's really no major kind of black ops conspiracy or, or no, there's nothing. anything along those lines. Like, if you really wanted to pull it, you could say, like, Something along the lines, of, you know, going into Alex Jones territory of new world order is going to come and take over, so you need to right, prepare yourself. Right. But even that, like nowadays, most of this stuff isn't going to help you. Like, like we said, they don't really have payphones anymore. You know, right. I, think, I think New York was converting converting their payphones into uh, Wi-Fi hotspots or something like that. You know, like there was. <laughs> I mean, like, like there's not even any like suggestion that,
0: like, for example, like Lyle Stewart was being funneled like CIA money, to right? Earn, <laughs> anything like that? There's nothing like that existing out there.
1: And everything else that we talk about. Um, both- p- publicly and privately you know there there 's always some kind of uh angle if you dig hard enough into it you know
0: this is almost like a wholesome kind of topic like in, in like <laughs> relatively speaking
1: yeah and it 's funny that and and when I think we 're both laughing about it because it 's funny that there is this whole cultural change that back then and even when we were when, when we were kids or or older kids in my case um they you know it was still kind of frowned upon to have you know like I'm sure our parents would have loved us to see us like (laughs) like experimenting in any way shape or form with stuff with anything we found in there um. Yeah. Whether well, even the electronic stuff, which is relatively innocent, is still like, oh, yeah. well, well, you're not paying a quarter, so you're ripping people off. You know, like right. that that sort right. of thing. Um,
0: and I feel like that's kind of really interesting too, because like, like it, it's it's this weird trickle down, right? So yeah, it it kind of like uh, existed in the countercultural in the early '70s, and like people of a certain generation, probably skewing, you know, uh, early to mid '20s, and then like geek culture in the '80s and '90s, right? Because like it was a physical copy, and then it kind of got propagated online through Usenet, IRC, Napster, mm-hmm. websites, any of those. Right. So like it skewed younger in the eighties and nineties, I feel like. And so like like we're a generation that grew up with it hadn't right. known it earlier.
1: Right. And I agree with that because I think that probably us at our ages now would have been the original Audience for it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, B- back back in the day, you know, <laughs> prior to having everything on smartphones and everything, right? Too, that <laughs> like yeah, free call waiting doesn't matter now. You know? Yeah, <laughs>
0: like, the benefits of a lot of like what's listed there aren't applicable to us right? anymore. Correct,
1: but I will say it also. I mean, it oddly taught me a lot of, of different things, you know, like and not even nefarious things. Like, it, like I said, it it had some uh, educational value, believe it or not. I know that sounds silly, but. Uh, no, I mean like for it, you, me you, at that age it had some value to it. You get what you can out of it, right? So sometimes like it
0: can be a net positive.
1: Right, correct. And I would say uh for me it, it was, but I think it's funny because I think when you and I were originally talking about it it was more um, you know, definitely Angelo thought it was gonna be like, okay, I'll do this while, while I'm on vacation because this is gonna right. go go really <laughs> this is gonna go like Bill Co- the Bill Cooper episode times five, you know? Um But well, it's been pretty measured, well, all right. things considered. And I think that and I, and I think that um that it's it's kind of disappointing in some ways, but kind of interesting too, that it that it has it's kind of like a deflated balloon in some point you know in some ways
0: and i think that's what it is too and i think like and what i was saying before like it's transformed itself from like a functional document to sort of like a historical document and i feel like through that it's danger it's almost like been defanged
1: yeah and i'm not sure that the generation now would even really know what it is or definitely not know the historical uh value behind it you know what i mean right they wouldn't even know the concept of a book of this sort of existing well of a book in general in a lot of cases yeah. but that's, <laughs> that's a different podcast as well um but yeah i, th- I think it is interesting too and um the,
0: but something you had mentioned too is and, and it struck me as like kind of funny is that you were saying that like you're kind of like in research and you're
1: you're disappointed yeah ultimately I, and I, so it's funny because even researching stuff for show topics right um for for pints and puzzles um the original series, you know, that I had out there where, where it was just me doing it. Um, that was interesting, where it, it's almost disappointing in some ways, with a couple exceptions, but. Where you start researching this this cool thing that you've always had in your mind, for, you know, probably from above, above top secret back in the day, um, you know, where you had this cool thing in your mind, and then you start researching, and you're like, that's a hoax, right? It's <laughs> just like wah wah wah, <laughs> yeah. you know, you start, or you're like, oh, that guy's crazy, and now you're old enough to realize, yeah, okay, I can't believe that guy, you know. Um, you know and and we could talk about specifics if you wanted to. Well, for me, uh, one of them right is like, for example, like Billy Meyer. Yep, Billy Meyer's a big one in there. Um, for me, my the big one that stands out in my head is Duncan O'Finian, Which that, oh yeah, that could be a, a whole another episode. But I think for for people probably not as deep into the the conspiracy culture as as you and I are, um, that he was on Jesse Jesse Ventura's um conspiracy theory show or whatever that was called. And Duncan Ofinian was on that show as a super soldier. Okay, so he was on there, and the, he claims to have some kind of implant in him where he has like super hyper fast twitch reflexes. It was interesting because I was like, "Oh, cool! You know that that falls within the realm of possibility in my head." You know, where it's like the the government could do some kind of cool for sure, yeah, something like that. And uh, you know, even when he started talking about being uh, kidnapped as a kid and going into Project. Uh, monarch maybe or one of those one of the projects (laughs) um you know where they did kind of psychic warrior type of things um you know that was kind of gray area for me but still in the believable realm you know and nowadays that we've learned about mk ultra and all that but, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because it he falls into a lot of stuff that I was like, oh, it's very interesting and very cool. And then you start Googling him nowadays and he's this crazy lunatic <laughs> that's delusional um, at best. <laughs> but, I mean, like, okay, so so putting her tinfoil hats on, yep. right? Like maybe uh,
0: the state has made him as such to discredit him.
1: Correct. Or whatever programming so he had. you can go that way. <laughs> yeah, or whatever programming he, he had in there um, just fried everything. You know, it it got overloaded and the circuits got fried, you know, and now he's kind of too far out on the deep end. Or if you want to go even deeper, (laughs) that was the programming where if the programming's ever found out, go this route, you know, and then it goes like super deep. So then people don't believe you.
0: But I mean, like we can spend like days doing this, right? Which is also, by the <laughs> way, an
1: argument they have for Alex Jones, who's our favorite to talk about. Um, as right, like, well, he's a state actor or he's like, a he's state actor, role. correct? Yeah, and P- and he's just the right amount of crazy so that people don't believe him, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, so I, I definitely do think there's an, uh, an argument to be made there. But bringing it back to the main point, though, mm-hmm. is that like I feel like we tend to mythologize things when we're younger. That like as adults now, I think half our job is destroying those myths that we've built up. Unfortunately,
1: which I feel like is like a sad reality of the the progression of time. It really is, and and I mean, and granted, there's I think that also gives more credence though to the ones that we still do hold near and dear to our hearts. You know that that everybody has their. I always say everybody has their one or two UFO case. You know, everybody knows mine's Travis Walton, you know, that they still believe even with all their skeptical and experience and, and kind of uh, polished, I guess, more polished for lack of a better term thinking right. um, in there that, you know, everybody still has those. So in my head, it gives more credence to some of those because we're less likely to tolerate BS now that we're a little older in years.
0: That's actually a really good point that like we tend to be more discerning as we grow older about these kinds of things, I guess, because like with the passage of time and also the realization, as you're saying before, of like these different hoaxes and things like that is like quite unfortunate um, in the way that we sort of like perceive things. I I definitely do think that like we tend to cling to the things that we believe in even more as we grow older.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I mean, even if you want to take it another step where if you go back and watch some of your old childhood cartoons, some stand up, a lot don't, you know, (laughs) like, um, like Thundercats was still pretty good, but it took me a little while to get reengaged with it. You know, that's on Amazon, you know, (laughs) I was watching it with my kids and I'm, and they loved it. And I'm like, yeah, it's still awesome, but it's not as awesome. It's not what you (laughs) wanted. Yeah. You know? So I think, and maybe that's part of human nature that we kind of build things up in our head a little bit. um, It's such as the
0: case with the anarchist cookbook, I think.
1: Correct. And I think that, that it was um, sobering in a lot of ways for us to go back and, and research it, um and look at it again. So it was it was nice, but it definitely switched my view of it from more of a taboo kind of black book topic um to more of a historical. Okay, it definitely had its place, but it's definitely more right. historical uh rather than kind of conspiratorial. Yeah, and
0: I think that's a really good way of putting it. I think that like in going back and researching this and kind of putting like a a, a researcher's cap on, right? Cuz like um Using it originally, like as a participant um, in certain ways, in, in some of the stuff that they listed there, um, you, you tend to view it in one way, and then like uh, as someone who wants to sort of like investigate and talk about it more, you tend to let go of that and start realizing, like, oh, that's it,
1: right, right. And I think so, that's it.
0: Ultimately, <laughs> the anarchist cookbook uh, as a historical document, really cool. As a functional manual, don't do it. And, uh, you know, it has this place in time and exists, uh, you know, eternally on the Internet uh, through a series of uh, Word docs, RTF files, text files. and Yeah, PDFs. I'm definitely
1: not sad we, we revisited it at all. Um, but it definitely took a very different turn once we started digging deep enough into it, I think. For right. me. And I think for you as well
0: yeah exactly and I, I i do feel like a little bit of sadness but i do feel like it's just it, it's growing up i think that's what it, like ultimately like the journey is what intrigued me more than the anarchist book cookbook itself but i also think angelo would have been safe on this episode <laughs> safer safer than he thought <laughs> i feel like he would have chimed in and maybe like asked some questions but i feel like it's not nearly as insane as he uh is hoping it's going to be which is i think a uh, a mark of success here tj i think we've Correct. done a-okay
1: yeah, but now, but now you're not going to want me back if I don't go too crazy. So that's the problem. <laughs> we'll,
0: we'll have to have you back and like literally find a third book to rag on. I think we could find some YouTube videos to rag on. Yeah. <laughs> um. So in closing, TJ, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Um. The same place, regardless of my podcast. My Twitter is always super active. Uh, at Pints and Puzzles, uh, as well as I'm now apparently I'm more active on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> Who would have thought? Uh, so I'm on both of those places at Pints and Puzzles. Um, and that's the best spot to find me.
0: Great. And for us, you can find us on Twitter, double underscore density, Facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. Head over to double density.net to check out all of the newest episodes. If this is your first episode, hey, congrats. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and then I guess next week we'll be returning to our regularly scheduled programming with Angelo. Um, if he makes it out alive uh, from Disney world, which I'm pretty sure he will, unless he gets trapped in the haunted mansion
1: or it's a small world creepiest right
0: which ever. i picture him getting trapped in like it seems like the ideal angelo ride to get trapped in well they do come alive at night so that's a whole right thing. <laughs> tj it's been a pleasure thanks for uh, uh stepping out and doing this with me i had a lot of fun doing thanks
1: this. Brian. it's been a lot of fun
0: all right see you soon, guys and tune in next week as we unveil a new hardy boys mysteries uh read-along series Ooh. <laughs>
1: Oh shit, I just hit the dust too hard. (laughs) Okay. Hey, I said that without stirring it. Woohoo.